Yes, absolutely. All of those things. Um, and I think if you're not open to feedback, you're, you're never going to grow. If you're not willing to work on yourself and enhance your skill set, you might be, you might be kind of stunted in your ability to grow as a leader. And I recognize areas. I, I hopefully recognize areas I need to grow. And, um, I really want to be the support system to others that they've been to me. I want to be a good listener. Um, I want to deliver messaging appropriately and really kind of be authentic, um, in my, you know, in who I am and, and, But yeah, I think self-awareness is so key. And I would say that that's the case for event planners as a whole, because we're constantly getting feedback, whether it's comments on social media, emails, phone calls, and some of it's positive, but most of it's negative. And it's, you know, how do you take that, that feedback, implement it into your event, and then implement that as who you are and the mission and the vision that you have for that event. Um, So yeah, I definitely think... um, what you said, absolutely. Welcome to our podcast series, episode nine. Our guest today is Marin Patron. Marin is the executive director of the Pittsburgh Irish Festival. The Pittsburgh Irish Festival is one of the largest Irish festivals in the United States. It's held at Sandcastle Water Park each year in West Homestead, Pennsylvania. She also serves as the event operations manager for the Philadelphia Flower Show, which is the largest indoor flower show in the world. Marin is also the director of development with Mainline Parent and Philadelphia Family based in Philadelphia. She received both her BS in marketing and leadership change management and a master's in business administration from Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Uh, Marin, it is a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, Marin. It's very exciting to uh, meet you and have you on our podcast. So, you know, as the executive dire- director of the Pittsburgh Irish Festival, you obviously have uh, really been no stranger to challenges. Um, this past year, of course, especially because of COVID-19, forced cancellation of the event. And two years ago, the event, I know it was was suspended early due to the massive flooding that arose enough to cover, you know, the top of the tents. Mm-hmm. It must be exhausting I would imagine to put that I'm for me if I put that much time into a project only to have it you know upended by events like a flood or you know a global pandemic that you have zero control over um how do you manage these types of challenges both on a professional level and a personal level uh you know that's a great question I think that um my answer for how I handle it professionally is significantly different than how I handle it personally. Um, I would say what's the same in both instances is the support system I have around me. Um, I've been I've been really fortunate to be surrounded by um, an incredibly supportive and and smart family, um, as well as colleagues who have been there for me professionally as I've faced those difficult situations. But it really has been the team. You know, the team has faced this together, and I've been I've been like I said, just so blessed to have them. And it's tough, though. I have to say, it's it's a really tough experience to to go through. I think uh, COVID nineteen has been, in a, in a weird way, and aside from sort of the tragedy that's happening in our country, COVID nineteen has been a little bit easier to deal with. And the reason I say that is because it's happening to everyone everywhere. So I've been able to connect with event planners from across the country and the world 
who are experiencing the same need to cancel, uh, the same funding issues, the same need to figure out how to pay their staff and keep people on board and looking for support. And whereas with the flood that occurred at our event back in 2018, it was just us, right? And um, there wasn't a group of other event planners who had experienced the same thing at the same time. And so um, I wasn't able to lean on people and say, hey, like, how did you handle this? Because I didn't know too many people that it had happened to. Uh, but in general, I would say some of the things that have helped me manage it, um, both cases professionally, have, has been uh, these amazing groups of, of other event planners I've been in contact with. And specifically, I have to mention the International Festivals and Events Association, known as IFEA. Uh, they have done a phenomenal job putting on weekly webinars to help people get through these crazy times and have been, in general, a support system from, you know, the beginning of my time at this event. And then I also would love to shout out the Association of Irish and Celtic Festivals, um, much smaller than IFEA, but but a group that has incredibly relatable experiences in terms of what we're, what our missions are as Irish organizations. And we've all been connecting on a really regular basis talking about what are our plans, how do we handle bands coming in from Ireland, what what are you going to do about this, what are you going to do about that, and we've really been able to play off on each other um, how to best handle these situations. So it's been tough, but I'm, I've been able to handle it, hopefully with grace, um, because I've been able to surround myself with such such a great support system. That's amazing to have such a support behind you, mm-hmm. um, and, and like you said, w- w- with the COVID, even though it is such a new experience, um, everybody's doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's not so isolating. I was down there uh, during the flood and Mm -hmm. uh, with the Pittsburgh Irish Festival and it just was, um, it was a a mess, but you all kind of came together and got people moving in the way and um, you had a really great team um, between um, your, your public safety and, and your operations and, and your administration. I mean, it seems like everyone got it together as well as you could on the fly and get everyone out as safely as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was scary at times. You know, I, I think uh, the the fortunate thing about that event and that situation that happened is we weren't ever in danger um, because it, it's not a flash flood zone where we had to worry about any any major damage or, or loss to life or injuries um, because we were able, we had, I want to say, about a 24-ish hour warning um, yeah. uh, that, that the grounds might flood. And so we were given time and it was something that truly brought our group together. Um, I remember, uh, so we found out we needed to close we found out really Saturday morning of our festival. It's a three-day festival. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we had, we were sort of re- really sort of knew by the end of the day on Sunday that the water would sort of crest into the, into the festival grounds. And so I remember looking around Sunday morning as we're scrambling to pack up and get everything out and inform the public about what was going on and negotiate with the bands and support the vendors and getting out and, and pushing cars and golf carts through the mud and I, oh, yes. <laughs> many times during that morning and that afternoon, I looked around and I said, what a crew. Um, you know, I remember uh, we informed all of our volunteers that, that we had canceled the festival for that day. And a couple of people showed up that morning in full rain gear and said, hey, what can we do? We're here to help. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, subsequently following the festival, the support from really the international Irish community and the Pittsburgh community as a whole was something I'll never forget. Um, People stepped up to support our, our, we could have, we could have been shut down as an organization. We took such a financial loss, but it was just awesome to see people come together and support us. And I'll for, I'll forever remain incredibly grateful um, to, to those around me that helped us through that. What about your BS and um, leadership and change management? Did that help at all? Because obviously you'll have to change quite a bit in, in response to these, but I'm like, Oh, she's trained in this. <laughs> did that help? Um, you know, I'm sure that it did. I, I, you know, I got an absolutely phenomenal education from Duquesne, but I can't say that I went back and remembered at any given moment what happened, like what I learned in class and how to apply it. Um, I was much more kind of flying by the seat of my pants and, and also really relying on the, the people around me who were operational experts, security and safety experts, um, in the moment and saying, okay, what do we do here? And I can't speak enough to the importance of having an emergency plan in place, right? And knowing what we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it and what we what we need to take care of. Um, I I will share also, I was in a sorority in college, um, Gamma Phi Beta, and I learned a lot from them in that experience that I did definitely apply in those <laughs> moments around teamwork and scrambling and getting out of tough situations and um but yeah I, I'm sure it helped I'm sure it helped a little bit <laughs> we hear um we hear some are predicting a normal life um that might not return till sometime in 2020 I'm sorry 2022 mm-hmm. um but others are predicting like spring of 21 how are you planning for the Irish festival and the Philadelphia show um, post-COVID um for next year yeah, so so the great news is, you know, by the time I think this podcast airs, there's going to be even more COVID-19 vaccines out in, in the world. Um, so we're feeling pretty confident about the likelihood of us being able to hold our Irish Festival in September of 2021, um, even if it requires some some mitigation planning around maybe maybe masks will need to be required or we'll need to, to adjust um, sanitizing. And, and we've been We've been really thinking about what that's going to look like. But like I said, I feel very confident that we'll be able to host the festival in some shape or form in fall of 2021. Uh, and I think then well, I, I really, truly feel like we'll be back to normal for the event in 2022. Um, as far as the Philadelphia Flower Show goes, that's been really cool in that for the first time ever, this flower show is going to be moving outdoors um, and into a different location here in the Philadelphia area. And it's been really phenomenal phenomenal to be part of this amazing team of event planners and um, horticulture experts and in terms of how can we make a safe experience for all those attending while, while not compromising the authenticity of the event. And so we're been, we've been sitting through seminars and attending webinars and workshops on how to do everything we possibly can to mitigate any potential risk for those attending. Um, and we feel also confident that we're going to be able to produce a really fun and safe experience. Um, the main difference between the two, um, whereas the Philadelphia Flower Show is much more about coming and appreciating beauty while you're there and really mm-hmm. strolling through gardens. Uh, the Irish Festival has a lot to do with having a few drinks and um, <laughs> yes. getting into a crowded tent and jamming to um, Irish rock music. 
And oh, so yeah. they pose different challenges. And mm-hmm. I feel confident in the team that we have and, uh, and our ability to find a unique way to mimic that experience as, as best as we can while keeping everybody safe. Well, with the, the um, Philadelphia Flower Show that's coming up like now, um, how did you get your, your vendors and, and your, um, your, is it displayers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, exhibitors. Right exhibitors. exhibitors that's yeah. The word. Um, how did you get them to agree to do that in Philadelphia? Cause I'm pretty sure some of those plants might be on the delicate side. Sure. So, um, <laughs> so I can share that, um, some of that, that conversation is still happening. It's ongoing. Um, we are, the truth is, is that we're planning a brand new event. Um, and this will only be my second year involved in the Philadelphia flower show. And there's, um, a lot of relationships that we're focusing on maintaining and making sure that those exhibitors and vendors have a good experience participating. Okay. But the reality is, is that, you know, plant life is meant to be outdoors in a lot of cases. Um, and I think that there's something beautiful about taking some flowers and some plants back into their natural habitat. Um, and mm-hmm. when when there aren't necessarily meant to be outdoors or or will survive the heat of summer in Philadelphia, we're going to put them in tents with HVAC systems um, and okay. create an environment that allows for um, them to be cooled off or heated, depending on how what the weather looks like. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's if nothing else, everyone can say that this year has learned to taught people how to be adaptable. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to we're going to try to create a space that is enjoyable for the attendees uh, and keeps the plants alive while, while we're there. That's great that uh, you uh, as um, an event planner or coordinator have been able to adapt to the different challenges that you've been going through. Um, and, and, and people think, OK, it's an event. You go, you show up, you set up, you mm-hmm. distribute and walk away but it's actually a living, breathing, like organism to, to a certain extent where, yeah, you have this perfect plan, but you also need to have plan B, C, D contingent on what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to commend how, how, how you guys keep adapting and finding new ways to, to reach out and, and to still give an authentic experience um, but not putting people at a safety risk or a health risk or mm-hmm. um, keeping it nice. Yeah, and, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I, I want to give credit to my mother, Mara Krasinski, and my aunt, Nan Krasinski, were the founders of the Pittsburgh Irish Festival. And one of the things that they taught me at a young age was it's not if something will go wrong, it's how you react when it does. And I think event planners in particular have always had to be prepared for that plan B or C or D or E um, Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, well, we need to be prepared if any of these things happen. And sometimes it's a tiny little issue at your event and you have to be adaptable. And so I think all of our lives and all of our professional careers, we have been training with small, tiny needs to be, you know, adaptable and jump into things that have helped us to prepare for a major shift, like a global pandemic. Um, And I think some of us have worked those muscles a little bit. And, and so we really came together as a community and said, as an event planning community in the industry and said, what do we have to do? Here's how to do it virtually. Here's how to keep people safe. Here's how to get reopened again. Um, And like I said, we've sort of built those muscles that, that 
it wasn't too hard. Now, I'm not going to lie. There's times when I just want to cry in my bed in the dark and like eat cake or something because it's so hard. Um, That's okay. You're allowed to do that. That's a weakness, but no, you got to get it out so you can continue on. Right, right. And and I think, you know, we all have those moments where it's like, oh man, is this ever going to end? You know, and I think what's sad for events is we were the first thing to stop and we will likely be the last thing to come back. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think sort of people live in that depression, but I agree. One of the things that we've been doing in our groups is finding support for each other in those moments of kind of depression and saying, we're here for you. We're in this together, strength in numbers. Um, you know, somebody who's in safely in your bubble to give you a hug and say, it's going to be okay. Um, and again, that goes back to my answer to your first question is an amazing support system has, has really allowed myself personally to, to pivot and adapt in the way that the way that I have. It's funny you bring that up. You're like, well, we were, we were built for this. What do you mean? (laughs) And I feel a similar way. I was talking to someone the other, well, I don't know if it was the other day, but they're like all this chaos in the world. I'm like, no, this is my, this, this is is my life. life. Yeah. Like I'm a single parent of two little children. I, this is and my mom always, my mom's no longer with us. She, but she was like, you thrive in chaos. She called it controlled chaos. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, so I'm just, strolling through this but I'm just not that simple obviously but I certainly um me personally I'm no stranger to chaos and it seems like as an event planner of any kind there things could always pop up it's it's the people who are very with their rigid plans which hopefully there's not a ton of people like that but that are struggling obviously it's a struggle for for everyone to a certain extent but as long as you like you said your mom said it's how you respond to it versus you can't control whether it's going to happen or not right i think that's right. what was exactly what she said again um, I it's not way. if something will go wrong it's how you respond when it does right and i think that's a really that's good perfect mm-hmm. keep in mind it's not yeah i'm gonna yeah. I know, even even with my security background um like when we're training people and we're talking to volunteers that we're working with at the events and we outline a bunch of different scenarios and you could see like like the confusion and like the eye rolls you you have to prepare because if you don't know what's gonna go you don't know what's gonna go wrong but you need to have some kind of basis to act to fix it yeah so yeah you're not gonna have a flood every day Mm-hmm. But you need to know what to do. You're not going to have to evacuate for, you know, a coolant leak mm-hmm. on, on everything. But you have to know, you have to be able to see and recognize and change. And if you don't have some kind of plan <laughs> ahead yeah. of time, you're going to mm-hmm. fall flat on your face. Mm-hmm. Be prepared. Be prepared. Exactly. It's a motto, you know, and, and it's always, I, I, I always be prepared. I mean, I just live by that. Oh, totally. All right. So with, um, I, I believe when our, our, our pre-talk, you were talking about that you're having a um, live stream Irish um, concert going on. Yeah. Yeah. So um, on that? sure. I would love to. So um, I, th- I believe at the time that this airs, it will be available for any listeners to view. Um, and it's called an Irish Christmas concert. and we're featuring seven um, bands from or based in Ireland, um, and we're partnering with over 25 different Irish and Celtic organizations throughout the country to produce oh, this wow. event, and, and we're going to be blasting it live to our collective following, which is well over a million people, 
And we have been granted the, the generous support from the embassy of Ireland here in the United States, um, as far as funding goes to produce this event. And we could not be more excited. And it really started as an idea to just do something together um, because we've all been pivoting on our own to live streaming, to virtual content. And this seemed like a perfect opportunity as the Association of Irish and Celtic Festivals to produce our first event together. Um, and I'm very, very excited about it. And, um, you know, if anyone wants oh, to check it out, if anyone wants to check it out, just uh, on our Pittsburgh Irish Festival Facebook page, Facebook page, you can find it right there. Oh, yay. I can't wait. That's going to be phenomenal. Like one of my favorite, and I don't know if they're based in Ireland or not, but the Screaming Orphans, I love listening to them when they come to Pittsburgh. Yeah. So they're part of our show. So you can catch oh, them. Wow. Yeah. So they are, they are from Ireland. Um, uh, they're four sisters from Ireland and they're, they're in Ireland now, um, kind of doing their own quarantine and they're participating in our show virtually. And they're one of my favorites as well. So I'm very excited to see them. Oh, yeah, it's a, they're actually a, a family favorite. Mm-hmm. Whenever my family knows that they're coming to the Irish Festival, they're down. Yeah, it, it wouldn't <laughs> be it wouldn't be the Pittsburgh Irish Festival without them. That's for sure. Exactly. That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. I wonder. Does so? I'm from Erie. Does Erie have a Irish Festival? You know, not that I think is a member of the Association of Irish and Celtic Festivals. Um, I I don't believe I'm connected with someone there. I know there's one in um, the closest ones to uh, Pittsburgh are Philadelphia Irish Festival, um, Syracuse. Uh, there's a phenomenal festival in York, Pennsylvania called the Penmar Irish Festival. And then there's a couple in Ohio that are pretty close. There's the Cleveland Irish Cultural Festival, Ohio Celtic Festival. And in Columbus is the Dublin, Ohio Irish Festival, which is one of the largest in the country. Oh, Wow. And as part of the many hats you wear in life, um, can you explain to us what Mainline Parents and Philadelphia Family is? Yeah, so um, these are two of the publications produced by an organization called Family Focus Media. Um, And Family Focus Media, I believe, is celebrating its 12th anniversary coming up soon. And the the mission for both of these organizations is um, in Philadelphia and the suburbs of Philadelphia, which is commonly known as the Mainline. Um, uh, to create community among families and parents. And um, it really started with a Facebook group of some moms in the area who were looking to connect with other moms. Um, I think there was four of them in the group, and it's now grown to over 30,000 um, wow. parents in, in the region. And so we, uh, t- we used to produce print magazines and host events and uh, marketing and support bi- local businesses and small businesses. And with the COVID, uh, we've switched and really pivoted to going digital only. And so we've been producing digital guides and magazines for families. And my role with them has been, um, as the development director, has been planning events, um, running our membership program, uh, doing a little bit of sales and some marketing. And um, so it's been cool in that area to pivot those events to virtual to a completely different audience than say would be interested in an Irish festival. Um, it's really family-based. It's really um, just a great, a great support system for the community. And it's really been a, a great way to help small businesses um, during these, these kind of crazy times. So it's a, it's a cool organization. Oh, that sounds amazing. That, um, it does. It's kind but, of, oh, well, go ahead, Martha. No, I'm sorry for interrupting again. It's, I remember the, so the last person we spoke with, his wife was, um, 
I think of her as a military mom, <laughs> but sure. um, she, she said he, I asked if she was like involved in local military wife groups type of thing. And she said, yeah, but I think she initially joined like the local mom group, parent groups. And it sounds like that's when it started out for you guys on, on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I wasn't one of the founding members, um, uh, but I, I joined the team then I guess almost four years ago today. So back in 2016 and it, it became clear and it continues to remain clear that people are craving connection of like-minded individuals and people who have shared experiences. And I think being a parent, I can't, I can't speak from experience, but I believe that being a parent is one of those things that you can relate to each other on a, on a deeper level. Um, And I think there's strength in numbers in terms of supporting each other and supporting local family focused businesses and their ability to, for us to, as a community, to support one another and support our the rest of our community members. Yeah. And we have a small group around where I live, a Facebook page that started off, I think, with just a handful of people, but um, it started in this quarantine and it's boosting our local businesses and kids that might be able to tutor other kids. And um, it's amazing to hear the story of, of uh, that mainline parent, um, because you could see how things like that can evolve, especially nowadays mm-hmm. with the new trails we are blazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to change the subject a little bit into, so I am interested in your role as a leader, because it seems like your current role, your background in education is, you know, identifies someone who holds a leadership position and you're responsible for others. And you, you just talked about connection and how people crave connection and and I am deeply interested in how um, much that would play into your role as a leader, that, and then, you know, what, what challenges do you face as, um, you know, someone in leadership? Um, yeah, so I'll try to answer this question, I suppose, in pieces here. Um, Sorry, that was kind of complicated. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. Um, I think, you know, some of the challenges I face as a leader are um, maybe first and foremost my age. Um, I am a bit on the younger side and have found myself um, in recent years in a leadership role um, where sometimes people who are maybe working for me or part of my team were much older and maybe more experienced. And so I've had to work really hard to establish rapport and and credibility um, with some of my teams. And, you know, it's interesting, some of what I've gone through as an event planner, like the flood, like the pandemic, has been a really great way for, for me to learn more. And again, establish credibility because of some of the things that I've been through with the events I work on. And I would say that's definitely a big challenge. Um, And I I have spent a lot of time working on myself and my leadership skills. And I'm really aware of areas I'd like to grow. Um, And, you know, I just I just recently took this amazing workshop um, from this company called Creating Community. And it was about leadership, innovation, and teamwork. And I really had time during that workshop to reflect on myself as a leader. And, and it's helping me answer this question, to be honest. Um, and, and I think, you know, so there's many challenges, right? There's criticism. I think criticism is the price of leadership. Um, I have adopted a philosophy that criticism should be taken seriously, but not personally. Um, and I've worked pretty hard on not taking criticisms personally and feeling shame but looking at it seriously and saying, okay, where is this criticism coming from? And what can I change about myself as a leader to, to be better, um, to grow, to be better, to, to increase my awareness. 
Um, and, you know, each event I work on has a completely different team and completely different requirements and completely different um, goal set, goals and mission and, and really trying to be adaptable to, to those um, and maintain the leadership role where I'm supposed to. And, and those has been interesting. Um, what do I enjoy? And um, the most exciting part. Can I interrupt that really quickly? Just so sure. I make sure. Because this is good guys for me too, not just our listeners. Sure. Um, so as a younger individual who's maybe managing um, a different demographics than you, would you say, so it's, it's one listening and learning from other people, not just like, you know, you're learning from the events that are happening. And then you would say self-awareness enough to know that yourself, how to respond to certain situations. So would you break it down to learning and self-awareness and personal growth? Yes, absolutely. All of those things. Um, and I think if you're not open to feedback, you're, you're never going to grow. If you're not willing to work on yourself and enhance your skill set, you might be you might be kind of stunted in your ability to grow as a leader. And I recognize areas I I hopefully recognize areas I need to grow, and um, I really want to be the support system to others that they've been to me. I, I want to be a good listener. Um, I want to deliver messaging appropriately and really kind of be authentic um, in my you know in who I am and and. But yeah, I think self-awareness is so key. And I would say that that's the case for event planners as a whole, because we're constantly getting feedback, whether it's comments on social media, emails, phone calls, and some of it's positive, but most of it's negative. And it's, you know, how do you take that, that feedback, implement it in your event, and then implement that as who you are and the mission and the vision that you have for that event. Um, so yeah, I definitely think... Um, what you said absolutely so how do you listening is something I've always tried to improve about myself and I've just tried to remember just before being understood I have to understand is there anything that you've learned over the years that has helped you become a better listener well I guess the thing you said about not taking it personally but more so you know applying it to the event what was the thing you said about criticism uh criticism should be taken seriously not personally Okay, seriously, not personally. And how about to become a better listener? Any advice there? Um, you know, so I, I guess I have a couple things. Um, and far as far as listening goes, so the first is I try to be an active listener, not just hearing, but pe- truly paying attention. Um, I'm still working on it. Um, I I think that I've had some growth recently around that, but I'm still working on it. And I also think there's a huge part of it has to do with getting involved and roles and organizations that you're passionate about. So when you get feedback or you are talking to people in that organization, you want to listen because it's something that you have that, that you have that has value to you. Um, and so I can say that with all of the organizations I'm involved in, is that I genuinely care about these events and these organizations and the people involved in them with my whole heart. And and there's love there. And so because I love these events. When people talk to me about them, whether it's critical or it's feedback or it's just support and praise, I want to be hearing what they have to say because I care about it. And so I think that when you're in an environment that you don't love, or maybe you have a hard time with your boss, or maybe people who report to you, you can tune it off. You can tune it out, right? You can just shut it off and just try to get through day to day. And so my encouragement for people as far as listening goes is to find a role that you care about. And then, and then it'll be much easier to listen to what people have to say about it. 
Um, I'd say that's for relationships too, right? If you're not interested in someone, you don't really yeah. care about what they have to say. <laughs> um, well, that is, that's, that's really, really good advice. And I don't know if you noticed, it wasn't me actively trying to do it, but in order for me to become a listener, I, I like before they, they keep going, I, I'm like, I have to pause and say, okay, this is what I heard. Is Am I hearing this correctly? Because some of the times I'll hear what I want to hear. Right. Really not what they said. And so I, I really try to... um make sure I, I let them know what I'm hearing so they can correct me or, or what have you. Right. Sometimes we go back and forth. And at that point, you just kind of got to start over. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, having obviously passionate for what you do and making sure that what you're hearing is, is that something you, you are interested in and you're, it's providing you value, then listening, well, I think listening has always been a problem, but uh, for me anyway, but I think that's, you know, being passionate mm -hmm. about what you're involved in is, is really good advice, obviously, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry for interrupting. Um, <laughs> the second part of the question was what? What's I forget what 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 what's exciting about leadership? I guess. Yeah. 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 So I can tell you the thing that that helps get me up in the morning in the leadership roles that I have. So um, with the Pittsburgh Irish Festival, I am the executive director, and so um, that that sort of has me in a top level position, whereas. Uh, with the flower show and uh, mainline parent Philadelphia family, I do have people that I report to and they're absolutely phenomenal bosses and they inspire me every day. Um, but with the, with the Irish festival, I have the ability as a leader to um, envision what I want the event to look like and feel like. And being able to be the person that can have some of those ideas based on feedback from those around me, of course, and then be responsible for executing it so that when people show up, it feels and, and looks like I've envisioned. Um, and there's so much joy for me in, you know, the very first day I've set up at the Pittsburgh Irish Festival when I go and it's a blank canvas. And there's nothing and there's nobody there and the, you know, there's dew on the grass and the fog hasn't lifted yet. And within an hour, there's a hundred trucks, <laughs> there's people yelling uh, you know, we're, we're all hands on deck. We're working, we're setting things up. It starts to smell good because the food's cooking. Um, and then when the doors open to have it be what you envisioned, um, from the get-go is really just the best part for me. And, and I really, I think I live for that moment of, of watching it all come together. Um, and it's, I think it's a thing of beauty. That is, that is a very special moment. That moment yeah. when all the prep is done and, and people just start walking in. Mm -hmm. That is probably one of my favorite part, uh, parts of these uh, events, like the Irish festival and tall ship festivals and the local county fairs. It's just that moment. Cause that's anticipation. You're mm -hmm. like, is the vision there? Or are we all going to vibe? Mm -hmm. It's and, like when you see the bride for the first time at a wedding. Yeah. It's just yes. like that. It's just like that. Perfect. And, and I have to say, you know, when those first few guests show up, my heart skips a beat every single time because I go, oh, people came. <laughs> we, we put all this work in and people came and they're here and we're going to have this beautiful event and they want to be part of this too. And, and, you know, I, I imagine that maybe that's what grooms feel like. With the bride walking down the aisle, like, oh, she showed up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really been, um, you know, such a passion for me to just see that moment where it goes from the blank canvas to this, this thing of beauty. And, and when people show up, it's really awesome. 
So what is one or two more pieces of advice or something you really want to drive home to our listeners on um, dealing with the changes in life and actually trying to navigate, whether it's professionally or personally, what do you think those, those keys are to be happy or maybe content is a better word? Um, you know, I should, I should say that I, you know, I don't know how totally qualified I am to be answering some of these questions and giving, uh, some of this advice. Um, I, uh, you're definitely qualified. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's no, people no, what degree you have, you are good giving money right now. I okay. It. Well, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, but I do believe there are people who have far greater expertise in some of these areas than I do. Um, but for what it's worth, I think, the main thing that I would share both personally and professionally is to always be open um, and always have awareness around, around what, where you can improve, what's going well, what isn't going well, trying to figure out where your blind spots are, um, you know, willingness to take that feedback and, and not just listen to the feedback, but act on the feedback. Um, and I would say that's the case across the board. Right. From personal relationships to Mm -hmm. professional relationships and, you know, um, not just professional relationships in the sense of the people you work with, but also the people you are providing for the the guests, the entertainers, the vendors, um, everyone that has a stake in the success of what you're working on. I think being open to what they have to say is and, and being open for growth, I think, is the most important thing anybody can do. Even if you're 75 and you've been in the event industry for, for 55 years, I still think you could be open to what people have to say. Well, thank you. I think that's good advice. I'm obviously not in the event industry, but I think that's mm-hmm. good advice for anyone at any level in any industry. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. I don't know if we're going to, I think we're going to wrap it up now, but thank you so much for your time. I will definitely be, well, I think I'll be attending the live um, show for the, for the next event. And um, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to thank you, uh, Marin, for coming on. Um, we've had some contact in the past and mm-hmm. I just, I, I love watching you work and, and I met your mom and I met your aunt and, and you guys really do put on a quality, um, show event. Um, and, uh, to our listeners, age is, is just in your mind. Mm-hmm. You could be 80 years old and know nothing right. about something or be so stuck in your ways. Um, or you could be, you know, in your mid-20s, in your 30s, and you know what you're doing. Um, so don't let your perceived limitations hold you back from what you do. Um, I also think um, we all should look to see what our joy is or and find our joy and once you find your joy you can build off of that into your uh, into your relationships into your jobs into your um, into your life as a whole um, so I just want to thank everyone for listening um, Martha it's always a pleasure to co-host with you Marin good luck with your events coming up I cannot wait to hear the Irish music soon Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.